You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, joined once again by Billy. Welcome back, mate. Thanks, buddy. Yourself? I'm going well, um, except for the judiciary's decision tonight. For those that haven't seen it yet, <laughs> about an hour ago, <laughs> Billy Kikau got um, got suspended for two weeks, found guilty. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's pretty shit. On a lot of angles, but yeah. I'll, I'll I'll restrain myself for a moment. How do you feel about restrain that? yourself, mate? Mate, I uh, I've only seen the couple of the tackle replays. I've um wasn't really much in it. I think there's uh there's been more in the venom of your posts on Facebook the last kind of sixty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I I did let the NRL know what I thought about it on Twitter. That's for sure. But um. Yeah, you know, look. Seriously though, it's um, it's not about Supercoach or anything else. Um, doesn't bother me that the kick hours out of Supercoach for a couple of weeks or whatever. The point is that it's just it. It was a a bad sinning, sin binning. Like the sin bin call itself was terrible, and then the fact that he got cited was just another kick in the teeth. And I think everybody thought that he was going to get off because that was just a joke on itself. And then the fact that he actually got suspended for two weeks for what is a normal tackle. Uh, is just it, it's just craziness, and it like like I said in some of my posts, like if that's the road that the NRL wants to go down, and they just want to keep doing this stuff to themselves, then they may as well shut up shop because they're just going to end up eventually with no fans left. And you know, some people took it literal and say, oh, you know, what are you doing saying they should shut up shop? That's a bit extreme. I was being overly dramatic on purpose, but. In saying that, my point remains, you know, if you're going to stop players from being able to make mandatory tackles or try and ask them to what was... It ended up being four screens on Fox Sports as far as the late lateness of the shot goes, right? So he got sin bin for it being late. And then afterwards, Fox Sports measured it as four, as four screens timing. Now, four screens timing means it's 0.1 of a second. So in 0.1 of a second, you're starting to expect, expect players to pull out or change the tackle that they're making. It's just physically impossible. And if we're going to go down that road, you know, it's it's only going to take a few more seasons before you just have guys sitting on the sideline every single week. And, and you can't physically play the game under rules like that. It's it just it's just insane to me. Ah, uh, yeah, mate, rules are rules. I, I wouldn't have given it. But I think people are just more, more about the shits around the inconsistency. I think you look at the... The one tackle I did see earlier in that game with a with a Dufty, I think that was blatant shoulder charge. But you compare those two, and I think that's just the only reason why people are getting the shits, mate. The tackle that Billy Kickout did, I mean, you'll see, oh, I don't know, thirty of those in a weekend. Um, but it just seemed to be that because he hit a guy that was a halfback, and that was their crackdown, that one the rest were scared about it, so they just decided to overreact. And then the match review committee was scared about it because they had been pinpointed that they had to deal harsher with anyone that hit a half. And they seemed to overreact, you know. But you could find... I know for, for feeder's a bad example. I was going to say, you'll find a prop like for feeder. Not his one. His one was bad. But you'll find someone like TPJ for feeder, one of these guys, that'll hit another forward, Tom Malolo, and they'll wrap one arm and hit with their other shoulder. And it'll be exactly the same motion. And it's all fine. And they won't worry about it, you know. It happens every weekend. Fuck you, me and stick together. <laughs> 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 
the minute that the game starts to say, you know, you're going to get penalised depending on the number on the other guy's back, we're going to have a problem. And that, that just sort of smacks to what they sort of seem to do. And like I said, he had 0.1 seconds to pull out of it, and it was a sin bidding for being late. The match review committee obviously knew it wasn't late, so instead of charging him with late, they ended up slapping a shoulder charge um, onto him as well. And the shoulder charge charge, there's a million of these tackles every week. And this by itself is bad. Um, And, you know, I had a couple of people that don't listen to the podcast and stuff that were commenting and whatever. It's all fine. I don't take it personally. It's all good fun. But, you know, they're getting into me and stuff about overreacting and whatever. And I was trying to explain, it's, it's not just this. And I'm not the only fan that is getting annoyed every week. It's not just Billy Kickout getting ruled out for two weeks. It's the fact that every bloody week they manage to make things harder for themselves and just to stuff the game of rugby league up. You know, and one of the people that um, responded to one of my tweets was like, Billy Kickout should have just eye gouged him because for eye gouges you only get a fine if you're Josh McCoy, you know, and it's you have to laugh about it because if you don't you'll just cry. <laughs> oh, you've had your fifteen minutes of whinging. Why don't we use that as a segue into the uh, <laughs> Panthers top 16 this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not talk about the Panthers. I, I don't think the, the Panthers fans are, are wanting to do anything this week. They're probably going to be pretty raw about that call as well. But <laughs> kick out, he's out for two weeks. Uh, I think it's a terrible decision. I think the NRL need to pull their head in. And I think the management and administration of the NRL has been lacking for a very long time. But I will leave it at that, Billy. Let's go to our mailbag for this week because we've got a huge super coach round in play. Uh, and the first question here is from Scott. So Scott has asked us, it seems everyone has or is close to having their final teams. Where do you see ground and be made up? Um, for example, you know, this week, would you play Mao, Nikora or Gutho? So really good strategic question, Billy. Obviously, we've only got, you know, seven rounds left. It's hard to make up ground. Where do you see at this point being able to make up ground? It's the uh, volatile position, mate. So... Um, you look at uh, you used Nakora as an example last week. Uh, everyone everyone's looking for cash to eject, get rid of players. So last week, I think uh, Cherry or um, Cherry or Nakora were prime sells for a few, few people. But if you look at their, their match up, you know uh, SJ back in New Zealand, uh, a guy punching sort of fifty in base, a small chance he's going to go over the line. So you would have seen all the blow-ups on Facebook last week. So there were you know plenty of people who played the core and plenty who didn't. So if you can pick the games where you can play a, a volatile sentence recorder, like, uh, you know, if um, this is an extreme example, but uh, t- uh, Turbo's, in, in, Turbo's playing Melbourne in Melbourne uh, this week. Um, he scored 67 against them last year and uh, 24 or something. So you could, I'm not saying drop Turbo. He's the only person I wouldn't drop him versus Melbourne, but I obviously wouldn't do him. I wouldn't see him. So, Wait for like you know, Latrell Mitchell to play uh, Melbourne in Melbourne and don't play him, or wait for Burns to play away from home and, and don't play him. So um, it, it, even even going so far as uh, Sean Johnson, um, lots of people don't have backup for him. So wait for the game where he's playing away or versus the top six and don't play him. So look for that small that small opportunity to get an extra twenty points on on the guy that's. Uh, has a lower floor, not such not, not so much a higher base, and use the opportunity versus uh, top four teams or away teams just to delay them, knowing that they're not, they're not going to turn up. Hundred percent, and you know Scott sort of got to a good point here where he used the you know which one of Mao, Nakora, or Gutho would you play for an example to try and make up ground, and that's really good. Um, you know, I grab I I do Mao and bench Nakora and Gutho out of the three every time because Mao is actually in pod territory. I think he's about. 
8% owned at the moment, um, whereas Gutho's 30-something percent and, you know, Nakora is still, you know, 58% or something like that. So with the percentages, like, that's that's one thing. Like, play the guys that are lower percentage. Don't just do it blindly. Do it if you think that they can score better or at worst they're at least going to match them. But then you can also look at, um, you know, what you think the crowd's going to do as well. So, for example, Nakora killed it last week. Um, and obviously, a lot of people were, were pissed off about it. Um, I benched Nakora because I had heaps of strong center wings and it was the wrong thing to do, obviously, because he tunned up. So everybody that was burnt last week by Nakora is 100% going to play him this week. So you've got, a, you've got a chance here where if you think Mao is going to outscore Nakora, a larger percentage of Nakora owners are actually going to play him this week probably because they got burnt last week. So that's a great leapfrog that you can make by playing Mao instead. Um, so the one thing is obviously the percentages like you brought up, Billy. Um, the other thing, though, is at this point of the season, a really good point to think about is VC becomes even more important because you should have more opportunity to VC than what you've ever had before. Reason being is because now most squads probably have no bums in their team, so the AE they're going to comp might be you know fifty points. It also means that you know for me personally, my expectations on what I loop will be a lot lower. So ten rounds ago, you know when I was maybe going to get an AE of twenty five points, I, I probably needed you know one hundred and twenty plus to to look at a loop. Nowadays, at this point of the season, I'm I'm probably going to have a fifty AE or something. So I'm more than happy to loop 100. So you've got a much better chance and shot at being able to loop at this point of the season. And with that, you can take a lot of risk because you're not going to lose anything by missing out on a loop. Um, you're still obviously going to get the second by the cherry with your captaincy. So you should be looking at captaining, at vice-captaining guys to loop that aren't going to be captained highly at all but have a really high ceiling or even if you think there's someone that might score a hat-trick or something as a winger, you know, like... Um, Mamolo, not this week, but maybe one of the other weeks when he's got a better matchup, um, is a good example for Milford owners. Milford's a complete pod. He's got a really good matchup this week against the Gold Coast Titans. That's a that's a prime um, VC option for this week, and it's one that nobody else is really going to be on. Um, so, two things for me, Billy: the, the the percentage ownerships is one way to make up a lot of ground, playing guys that are the lower owned and benching guys that are the higher owned when you can. And the second one is the VC stuff. you really got to try and take advantage of that, I reckon. Yeah, all of those, uh, plus these two for me. Um, try, if possible, to try to try and play the least amounts of the ball-time guys as you can. So excluding guys like, you know, sort of Teddy and Turbo. But um, in, in, inside your halves, try, try to play just the, the, the two halves. Don't, don't Try not to play like a Cleary as well as an SJ because if you get one, one bloke score a ton, um, there's a, a more a higher, higher probability or chance of um, uh, the other half scoring a, scoring a 35. Whereas if you just play a forward, you, you reap that sort of 90 plus. You know the forward's base of 60 or 65, so you rule out the risk there. Um, the other one is don't be afraid, don't be afraid of the captain guys coming off a, off a poor run um, this week. I think every man his dog is going to do probably a, a, a poor run BC versus the Tigers. And everyone, a lot of people are interested in, in captaining Teddy. But Teddy's also that bloke who can score 100, 130 or 100, or 100 or 160. But versus the dogs, not a, they're not, they are in Sydney, but they're not, they're not at home. And the chooks are that good that, you know, um, each winger can score three tries each and Teddy might not go over the line. So Teddy might only score sort of 45 or 65 points, you don't know. Whereas um, a guy like Cook, 
he's come back from his um, poor origin games. Um, the guy's relaxed now. You saw what he did last week. He scored 80, 80, 80 on without ease of a massive clutch. So a guy like, if, with everyone's focus on T for a captaincy this week, you could quite easily go back to a, um, um, a cook captain who's going to get you 60, 65 points in pure base playing at home. And if he's, he's got the Cowboys and a full-string team back at home, he's probably a much much safer floor of 60, 65 with, with exactly the same potential as Teddy. That bloke could be there, the, the 5% uh, owned captain who scored 130 this week. So um, me personally, I'll be going sort of the captain of Cook over, over Teddy this week. Yep. No, really good points. I'm going to have our first disagreement on this pod for tonight anyway um, and say with the halves option of only playing one of your halves, I'm actually going to say the opposite. Um, for me, if I'm chasing quite a bit or I have quite a lot of ground to make up, um, I'm actually going to play all my halves if I can, um, if they're decent enough matchups, because I think that's a way to be able to make up ground as well. Um, you know, there's Cleary, SJ, um, Ponga, DCE, uh, all of these guys, Moses, um, all have really high ceilings and can score really well and, and can outscore the forwards pretty easily as well. And if you're chasing, um, you're probably going to be able to chase better playing those type of guys um, rather than not. Because some of those, like a Cleary uh, and SJ, aren't that highly owned. And out of those, a lot of those teams are probably going to bench them. So you'll probably end up with those guys being pods at only 6 or 7% played probably. Um, and you can catch up a lot more because they've got a lot higher ceilings. And there is weeks, mate, where you could hit, you know, three of those guys hitting 80 and one of them hitting 40 out of the four. Um, and those weeks are just golden, and I, I, I'd much rather go for that ceiling if I'm chasing a lot. If I'm in a pretty good spot, I agree with you. Like, I, I probably don't want to risk it as much. Yeah, the thing with, like, like SJ Bud is he's... It seems like his days are 150-plus long gone. He's, he's, that hand is way too much of a concern. He could come off now on a score of five. Um, he did that to me earlier, to me earlier this year. Um, and if you've got a bloke like Cleary, mate, I would just be playing the shit out of the Cleary and trying to avoid um, um, a score of 20 or 30 from SJ. Even if he does go well, he's going to score 80, and you can, you can quite easily get that with your, your, um, your, your fourth, um, fourth reserve. Like, um, Yeah, fair enough. Um, so hopefully that answers Scott's question. It's a good one on strategy. There's a few other little um, ways that you can do it with pods and so forth, but really you don't have too much time, so you've really got to pull out all stops if you want to chase hard and probably be prepared to drop a little bit if you go full throttle as well. So just know the risks and know how hard you want to go depending on where you're ranked as well. Uh, Chris has asked us a good question, um, and this segues nicely from the Cleary chat that we just started to have. He's asking if he's silly considering selling stags to Cleary. So stags in general, mate, he um, he killed it last week. He got a ton, and he actually looked really good. Uh, and maybe he's coming into his own a little bit. He's now over 400K, um, has a low BE in the teens. And he was someone who was sold quite heavily, but if he wasn't, he was a guy that was looking at being sold shortly. But now I know a lot of teams, including mine, are having pause and thinking, hang on, should I even bother selling stags at the moment? Um, but Stags to Cleary specifically, um, to me that looks like a good trade. If he has to do it this week, if the BEs match up, I think that's fine, and I'd just pull the trigger just to get that half in. In generally, though, um, how do you feel about Stags as far as selling him or just holding on to him? I can't believe you actually thought about holding on to him, mate. The guy played the fucking Bulldogs last week. They're absolutely brutal on the right side. He, he was an absolute special to score something last week. So... Um, Let me jump in, because 
he is playing the yeah. Bulldogs again. And this is one of the reasons why I thought about holding him. He's playing the Gold Coast Titans in round 19 this week. And then in the final round, which is uh, head-to-head finals, he's playing the Bulldogs again. Yeah, but it's away versus the Titans, isn't it? I was looking at this a couple of hours ago. Yeah, but it's still in Queensland. I mean, they're not really going far. Just, you know, the hours drive away. The only thing I'm going to give you is that, and this is the only thing, <laughs> apart from his, his, his 104, his next three highest scores are 65, 56, and 55. But he's 65 as well as a Gold Coast. That's the only thing I'm going to give you. However, wasn't that on the left-hand side? I'm pretty sure he was playing left-centre, not right-centre. Not sure about that one. Can't tell you. I think I, I think I think I think he's actually changed sides. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's good. apart from the Bulldogs. Maybe that's a reason for his depth for the lift in his scores from sort of twenties to sort of um, fifty or fifty-fives lately. Maybe it's because he's got the um, so he's had the goalkeeper in the last four games. So let me just do a quick tally up. So he's getting an extra sort of twelve points a games in in goal-kicking, and since he's been goal-kicking, his average is 63. So, yeah, look, the reason for his lift is because of the goal-kicking. But, um, so it looked like his, his base is still the same around to the 35. Add some um, add some goals in there. Um, yeah, you pretty much want to play him versus the Titans and hope that they um, they absolutely carve him up and he's kicking goals again and then playing against the Dogs. Other than that, you would not even entertain putting him on the field, mate. I'd probably play him against the Cowboys as well, potentially, but um, those are the only three. But the thing no. is that we're near the end of the season, so even if you're going to play him two out of seven, that's still 30% of the games remaining. And if you've got six centre wings, then you know it's a decent rotation. I'm not going to hold him all the way. Um, I thought about it, um, but I'm not going to. But I am going to hold him this week for sure. Um, and that's probably what I'm going to say to answer this question too for me. I think it's a fine trade to go status to Cleary. Uh, I think it's good. I do think that you can wait a week, though. And that's because um, Cleary is playing Canberra this week, even though it is at home. Um, he does have a BE in the 40s, so he's not really going to go anywhere, whereas Staggs has got the Titans and a BE in the teens. You're probably net going to have a bit more cash if you do it the other way around and just wait a week. Um, but for matchups wise um, it probably depends on your centre wing, but you might want to consider playing Stag against the Titans this week and not having Cleary against Canberra. And then the following week, swap Stags out to Cleary, and that's going to be a week that Cleary actually has the Bulldogs. 100% agree with that strategy. So let's move on. Um, Ashley's asked a real good question. He spotted right at the Cowboys, um, who has been starting for the last few weeks, named again to be starting in the second row. So Shane Wright's done well, um, but unfortunately he's not super cheap um, because he was playing last year and averaged 34 points a game. So this year he's actually averaging 44 points a game, but for the last three weeks in the number 12 jersey, he is averaging 66 points a game on the dot. So 66 points a game the last three weeks, 80 minutes back rower, 363,000 he's going to set you back with a BE of 10. It's it's a decent spot, and Ashley's asked us um, what our thoughts and feelings are with those three 80-minute games and, and 60-plus scores. Uh, in the last three weeks, just to look at those 60-plus scores as well, Billy, he's done that with base of 53, 63, and 65 points. So he's been working really, really hard um, on the base stats. He looks pretty safe. But a couple things that worry me about him. Um, one, I tend to think that you can find money if you need to to be able to get um, better players, and I just think that you, you want to have proven guns in your side. 
rather than uh, Shane Wright, who's played well for a few weeks. The other thing, too, is that um, we've got Asiata in the halves at the moment. He's going to come back in to the middle rotation, so that pack can easily shuffle around. And if it does, Shane Wright looks like he's the first one to go. He may not, but it's just not a risk at this point of the season, low on trades that I, I think I'd be wanting to take. The only appeal I kind of see there is you've only got two or three trades left and you've got a significant amount of cash in the bank and you don't need a, a full-scale cash out, he's probably a good sort of fifth-string fifth option you can keep in, in your second row for sort of an emergency play. Um, he's not exactly the worst. I mean, he's scoring, what, 60-odd 60, 60 a game. Um, the way his work rate has been going, um, I, I can't see um, where Cohen Hess is coming back and taking the starting position. Hess is better as an impact player anyway. Yeah, look, he's got... Sharks this week away. Sharks have been on the end of a yes in the close games lately. They need they need to win, so I wouldn't play him there. Then he's playing against the Tigers at home. Sorry, at, at the Tigers home ground. I would never I would never bet against the Tigers. Honestly, I reckon he might come in handy around sort of, sort of around twenty one when he sort of plays um uh, plays a home game versus the Broncos. Edges go well versus the Broncos. Then he's got the Knights, Panthers at home, then Dogs at home. Then he finishes on with a storm. So, if you're looking for a pod or like a, a fifth string option, I reckon he's probably good good value from um, around 21 to sort of 24 as a pod. If you're going to pull the trigger, he's probably a cash out or an emergency target for those who can't actually afford an upgrade at this point in time. Fair enough point as far as downgrade goes. I think with Jules, if I was going to look at a downgrade, I'd rather just pay um, you know, 25 grand more to get Corey Oates in centre wing and use Jules to just make that happen instead. Um, and just do something like that. I'd, I'd be too worried personally that Shane Wright's going to end up back on the bench and then you're going to have scores of, you know, 20-odd, 25 points um, for the rest of the year as an AE. Um, so that would be my worry with it. But uh, it has been going well lately, so, you know, got to back you up with it. Um, let's move on to the next one. So is Fafita or Kikiao a legit sell option? So both are underwhelming. Fifi's out this week. Um, Clem's the obvious trade. Um, and then there's the second part to the question. So this one's from Rick, but we've also got Steve asking about if Fifi's a good sell and then a heap of other people are considering selling for Fita right now as well. So I replied to a couple of people on Twitter about this one. Um, and I basically said I understand people getting annoyed with Fafita because, yeah, I mean, how, how stupid was he on the weekend? Um, he's averaging the least minutes that he has... Um, for the last five years at 53 minutes a game. But he was only on track to, you know, sort of play minutes in the 40s on the weekend. But before that, he'd still done really quite well. Um, And this was sort of my point on Twitter. You know, it was a terrible game. There's no getting around it. He's not playing this week. That's one game out. That was a poor game against the the Warriors. But in saying that, you know, if you take out his injury-affected game, um, you know, he's got basically... You know, 30% of his games that he's played for the rest of the year, he's scored 90-plus. So, you know, he's got a 89 in, in round four that I'm going to count as 90-plus, um, 106 in round six, um, and then he's got another 100 in round 10, another 91 in round 13. So he does spread them out. It is every few games. And even though he's been playing pretty poorly this year, he's probably due for at least one more monster score. On the averages, he's due for two more 90-pluses just on his averages, and that's in a poor season. If he actually manages to step up, which is the other point, I think that he will, because they don't really have much choice. They need him to step up. 
then maybe he's going to go even more consistent than that on the other games. But he hasn't been as bad as what you feel, I reckon. I reckon, Billy, that it's just, you know, it was a real poor effort on the weekend and people have rightly got the shits about that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, if I had multiple trades, I'd sell him first. Uh, reason is um, his minutes are down. He started the season with um, 70, 60, 60, 70, 50, 60, 72. So he, had the, he was in this at the high 60s, um, around sorry, 63, 64 minutes he was averaging per game. Um, lately, he's dropped right, right down to the sort of 55s. And that, that uh, 91 you were talking about, off 46 minutes, that was versus the Eels, which we call as a try. So, um, yeah, I, unless he's playing them again, um, take that out of the equation. I reckon he's probably he's probably good for a, a few a few Maccas and KFC games coming back with no match fitness up. <laughs> no match fitness after having three weeks off, mate. I, I think a few astute people kind of sold him. Plenty kind of held on to him because there were uh, much better things to sort of uh, uh, do with their cash and their trades than get rid of a guy who was going to come back in a couple of weeks and had actually been the best forward in the game for um, front row forward in the game for a while. So, um, look, if, if you got him and you, and you need, need to save trades, uh, hold him. But I'd be in no hurry to play him. But if, but if I had him up my sleeve, uh, he'd be the first cut. It's a bit hard. I mean, look. I know what you're saying about the Eels, but he also got 100 points on the nose in 53 minutes against Manly as well. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I agree with you in that I understand people selling him, and probably the specific advice I'd give is if if you're 100% convinced that he's your worst forward and you don't have some other guys that you really want, like someone like Clemmer, who's who's an absolute gun, um, then, then sure, you don't have any other options. But what I'm finding is when I'm looking at teams is a lot of teams I reckon have other options that are better sales than for feeder. And I'm going to use one specific example. Marty Tapau to me um, is, uh, I reckon he's a much better sell than what for feeder is if you have to sell someone. Tapau has been quietly just as underwhelming as what for feeder has been. Um, you know, he scored 49 points on the weekend um, and, and he's just not been the same guy all year either. And Tapau went on a nice little run a month before that where he had a couple of big scores, but ultimately it's similar to Fafita, except Tapau doesn't have the ton upside. It's just not really there. He has some, a couple of big scores in the 80s and stuff, but he doesn't have that 100 sort of upside. So to me, Tapau is worth more money as well. He's not going to get played this week because you're playing Melbourne, um, and you're going to get more out of that trade, and he's probably going to end up balance of the year scoring less than Fafita anyway. So like, that's one example, Billy, where I think guys have more heavily owned guys that I'd probably trade personally before for feeder. You know, I mean, how do you feel about Tapau instead of for feeder? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I, I sold um, Tapau three weeks ago exactly because of that. I knew his minutes were rubbish and he was just going to go on decline. So I, I thought he was going to do this, so I took the part on getting rid of him. 100%, I'd, I'd get rid of Tapau first before for feeder. But if you're struggling, if you're struggling for, for numbers this week, um, you're obviously going to sell for feeder over Tapau. But um, he's still playing Melbourne. He's going to play Melbourne again, and he's got um, uh, Raiders in there as well. So um, not exactly much uh, runway, for, runway for the big body. Yeah, and I mean, that's a good example. where you know, I can understand someone selling for Fifi um, if he's the worst guy in their pack, but just make sure that you're having a look at some of the other options. And Tapau's a really heavily owned guy. He's actually going to be more heavily owned than what Fafita is. Um, so Fafita's going to be less less ownerships and better to play in the future, and his draw's probably better. Um, so just look at the other options yeah. is probably what I would say. Just to interrupt you very, very quickly, sorry. Um, this is going back to probably the first question that you asked on the night around, uh, or second question. What can I do to make up ground? 
this is a classic situation. So yep. every man and his dog has uh, pain hearts, right? So he's the first board. Lots of people have a combination of Fafida and uh, Marty Tapao as their other board. So with Fafida out this week, a lot of people are going to be forced to play Marty Tapao. If, if you've got a luxury of having someone like Tavita Pangai or Clemmer as your as as a, as, a, as another forward, maybe a pod move this week is. Uh, and not playing Marty to power and having punches of forty or forty-five versus the storm. Everyone, lots of people are forced to play him, and you're and you, you get lucky with Clemmer or or um or um Tavita Peng by going over, and there's an extra forty or forty-five points for you. So um, th- there's one of your angles for this week. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and you know when you're looking at the numbers and team makeups and stuff, that helps as far as deciding on Fafita as well. So that's a great point, Billy. Um, their draw for the Sharkies as well, I would take into account a little bit. I do think Fafita's a little bit better at home. Out of the seven games that the Sharks have remaining, five out of those seven are played at Shark Park. So I, I think that's a pretty big deal for Fafita as well. Again, if you have to sell him, do it. Don't not don't not get your final team that you want or that you believe in just because you want just because Fafita's a hold. You know, sell him if you need to. He's not a definite hold, but just make sure that you can't sell other guys. So specifically. Um, you know, Rick's asked Fafita or Kikau a legit sell. Kikau is now more of a sell than what Fafita is. So Kikau was a pod anyway that, that, you know, worked out pretty well for the last sort of five or six weeks. But he he's going to miss two weeks. So, you know, I wouldn't worry about someone missing one week that much, especially with the depth of our squads. But two weeks is a lot more. You know, you've got to remember that at this point of the season, we've only got seven games left. So a guy that's missing two out of seven, that becomes a lot more significant. You know, that's getting towards 30% of games missed to balance of the year compared to Fafita's one from seven. So I reckon Kikau's more of a sell. He's actually worth 15 grand more as well, and he's got a BE of 120. So if you're going to wait to see when he comes back and then sell him later, you're not going to get the value later on if you have to sell him either. So for this specific question, and anyone that owns Fafita and Kikau, Kikau getting a suspension this week that we didn't expect for two weeks makes him a, a definite sell for me as well. Yeah, agree, mate. The less games you have, the less sample size there are for averages. So, um, a, for instance, a, a winger or a halfback or a hooker can likely average, you know, sort of 110 over three games or four games, um, as opposed to a forward who can average sort of 35 or 40. So, um, I mean, the reverse can happen as well, but the likelihood of a, a forward um, um, averaging sort of 110 over three weeks as opposed to a half who can jack a massive, uh, you know, a massive run of try assists and a few goals. Yeah, um, if you're only going to get three or four games in a kick out, kick out is probably the better sell for a guy like Cleary. Yep. Um, and the other part of the question was uh, obviously he's mentioned that Clem's the, the one that he's looking at. Clem, I think, is a really good one to be looking at. He's still not heavily owned and he's a very consistent gun. He's got Mahoney and Fifi and he wants to know this week who the better trade target is out of Clem or McInnes. Whichever one he doesn't do, he's going to do next week. So, um, I mean, McInnes has a BE of just under 50, um, and he's playing the um, the Rabbits, who are a little bit under strength in the pack at the moment, whereas Clem's playing the Tigers, which is a pretty good matchup for him, but he's got a mid-60s BE. So I don't really think that you could go wrong either way, Billy. I mean, I think that you should probably just look at who you prefer to play this week, and that's who I would go for out of the two and get the other one the following week, because... Someone like Fifi or Kikau isn't going to lose money this week for Rick. I'm not really a fan of um, um, getting McKinnis this week against uh, Souths who need, who need to be back um, and I'm paying a dollar thirty six when they're playing at home. 
if he, if he did sit keen on getting McInnes, I'd wait till next week when he when he's both at home, then the Sharks away, and finishing off on a, on a, a couple of games at home for the, for the rest of the, for the last couple of the year, and then Titans away. So he has he has a much better run from next week. I'd stay away, especially if you're banking on Cook going big going big this week. I wouldn't want to have both my both my gun hookers playing against each other. I'd probably go, if you're going to do two trades, I'd go play with this week. Hopefully, he goes over the line at, at home, or at least you know goes back to what he was doing pre um, uh, pre Origin, and that's the 65, 70 points a game, bigger minutes. Yep. Um, and Luke um, is our next question, and Luke's asked us who to lose for Clemmer. So he's looking at Fifi, TKO, or Tapia. Um, TKO had a really good game on the weekend. Um, he looked a lot better. I would probably be leaning towards Tapia for the reasons that we mentioned. Tapia's the highest ownership out of the three. Um, he's probably got less upside than what Fafita has, um, and TKO's got a decent run coming up at least, so maybe he's got more attacking upside. Um, and Tapao has to play exactly. all those guys that we mentioned before. He's got to play Melbourne twice and Canberra, so three really good defensive sides. So Tapao looks like the one I'd trade to Clemmer. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and TKO has a decent draw coming up as well, so exactly in that order, mate. Yep. All right, so Robert's asked us, playing captain roulette has burnt me most seasons. Do you think Turbo is match-up proof now? Would you captain him in his two games against the Storm and also against the Roos- the Raiders? I don't think that many people are captain-proof, Billy, but, geez, Turbo's pretty close, um, but I still wouldn't do it against the Storm. I probably would be fine against the Raiders, but just those Storm games, I don't think I would captain Turbo. I'd just be happy with playing him. I don't think anyone's really captain-proof at this point of the season because there's so many good options. Yeah, exactly. You can pretty much count VC out because VC obviously needs to be 20 points higher than the captain for for that to sort of come off and captaincy. Um, yeah, I, I, I sure as hell wouldn't be doing it away from home, not in Melbourne. So if he was playing up, if he was playing at home versus Melbourne, even just a slightly depleted one, that would be a pod play because um, Turbo is Turbo. But you look at last week as a classic example. He was on, what, 75 at half time and did absolutely sweet FA the second half. If it wasn't for that uh, you know, uh, cut out ball to the right-hand side, he'd still be on 75 at, at the end of the game. And that was worth versus my God for second heels, mate. Imagine what he will or won't do to Melbourne and Melbourne. There are, there are certain things as uh, pods, and there's, um, there's also crazy moves. I wouldn't kind of like to go anywhere near that in Melbourne, mate. What about against the Raiders? Would you consider captaining him that way? If he's at home, yes. If he's, at, um, if he's, if he's in camera, God, no. Fair enough. Jamie's asked us, do you think that Crichton will stay on the bench for the rest of the season? So he's obviously been uh, pretty disappointing, old Angus. He, um, he looked like he was going to be a good option coming off scoring 69 points in back-to-back seasons in 2017 and 2018, scoring 54 points a game this year. Uh, been reasonably consistent, but consistent in the 50s. Um, and he's only 450k now. Obviously, a few people own him, maybe from that buy. Do you reckon that the Roosters are actually going to unleash him and put him in the starting lineup, or he's going to keep you know, having his minutes um, restricted and coming off the bench? No, mate, he'll, he'll keep coming off the bench. Um... The impact he's having off the bench is is far superior than what than what he, than the impact he was ha- ha- um, actually having starting the season. Um, I know you guys uh, had a tough draw to start the year, but he just seems so much more aggressive, and he seems um, off the bench. He just seems to be playing like he was at the at the, at the um, when he was at Souths, just here, there, everywhere, just making tackles. The guy, the guy has just got a much higher work rate, so. Um, mate, all I'm going to do is say you guys, you guys have 
the best marquee, marquee bench I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually agree with you. I think that he's going to stay on the bench as well. Um, there, was a, there was a really interesting um, couple of quotes from Robbo a little while ago where he's being asked about it. Um, it was actually pretty, pretty interesting because Robbo does a lot of different types of thinking, but he does a lot of analysis and stuff um, and development of his players. And he was saying, uh, you know, he specifically said, you know, when we when we moved Latrell to six, it wasn't because we wanted him to play six. It was because there was things that he needed to learn by playing six that he needed to know when he goes back to playing centre. He's our centre. There's stuff that he needs to know that he's going to be able to learn by playing six. He's going to know what the six is thinking and wanting by having some experience there. So it was a good opportunity. He then went on to say... You know, Manu wasn't someone who people thought we were going to play at one. I put him at fullback for his development. He's never going to be our fullback. He's our centre, but I put him at fullback because he needed to learn some skills and stuff at fullback that he can get, which is part of his development that we've been talking about. He then went on to talk about Angus, and he said, "Um, we've got a plan for Angus. I'm not going to tell anybody what that plan is because it's our plan for his development for him to get better as a player. But to do that plan, he needs to learn how to play in the middle um, because he's been coming into the middle off the bench lately, um, and he needs to be able to do that in less minutes and do things in the middle of the field that he'll then be able to take away and be better for it as a player. So we're developing Angus still. We're happy for it to take time, um, and you know he'll be a better player for it basically at the end of it. So I think that Robbo knows that it's a you know a, it's not something he has to get done overnight. So I think he's going to be very comfortable to leave Angus off the bench now for the rest of the season. I think that he'll be starting next year and he'll be on the edge next year. And Robbo's plan is that him playing in the middle is going to do a few things to his game that we don't know what he's looking at specifically, but I'm going to assume it's his work rate, um, it's his defensive reads and how he's hitting guys in tackles and stuff and his confidence. I think that he's trying to get that out of him by playing him in the middle. And next year he's going to come into it. And at the end of the day, guys like Orbo are starting at the moment. They're, they're probably not going to get the minutes next year, but they're probably more reliable right now to be getting the minutes. So... Yep, long story short, mate, a few good, few little quotes and things there in Rooster's background, but I think he's going to be on the bench uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah, it sounds like he's just trying to teach a few uh, marquee blokes a lesson, whether it's a good lesson or a learning curve, just so they either stay out wide or know where to stand when they're, when they're, when they're told to. Yeah, he's big on player development and stuff, so I, I think that's really what he's focusing on. And um, you know, I've been critical of Robbo a little bit this year as a Roosters fan. I think that he's gone a bit too far in maybe resting guys when we're losing games and didn't need to, like Teddy at one point and things like that. But one thing I'll give credit to him for, he's he sticks to his guns. He's got his own plan, Robbo, and he doesn't deviate from it. And his plan seems to be to have Crichton on the bench and to bring him along slowly. So I reckon that's going to keep happening. Um, yeah, you don't want to keep talking about the Roosters, mate? We, we, we can if you want. <laughs> no, that's right, mate. I, 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 can't, I can't afford the phone rate. $5 a minute, isn't it? <laughs> JC Charles has asked us Would you trade SJ to Cleary Or just let it ride His other halves are DC Pong and Curie But he's very happy with those um, Other trade is Aitken Or Sherry to Burns um, Which allows him to then get Gerbo And be set Aitken or Sherry to Burns Is a is a golden trade um, I think that probably at this point I'd be getting rid of Aitken But as far as SJ and Cleary It's a bit of a tough one mate Would you trade SJ to get Cleary in Or would you just let, let SJ ride at the moment I let SJ ride just for this week, then reevaluate uh, next week with the uh, dogs game, mate. I would, uh, I would, I would, I would even go go as far as saying I'd be willing to sacrifice twenty or thirty k this week just to get a potential score out of him at home and, and, and avoid a potential sort of 
mid-range score from um, uh, Cleary versus the Raiders and then just absolutely load up on him versus the Dogs next week because every 20 points counts. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. Um, it's a um, great one to raise about, you know, if you don't have to make a trade right now, it's always best, I think, just to wait then and step back. Um, and I've said that a few times to guys asking for advice and whatever on Twitter and, and Facebook and whatever. If, if you're not really needing to make the trade this week and you really can't decide, um, and, you know, in some, point, in some cases, you, the guy you don't even want to play the following week after, so it might even be two weeks that you can wait for a trade. If that's the case and you're not desperate for it, I think you're always better to wait. There could be a million different injuries this week. Um, there could be suspensions this week. Um, the Sharks might implode and SJ gets dropped or something crazy. Like, you might find that if you're just patient and you step back, the, 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 the game will actually decide it for you in a week. And if it doesn't, you're not any worse off, really. Yeah, and plus, SJ is the first, um, the first game of the weekend. So you, you, you get a chance to sit back and go, all right, so is he fit? Is he full strength? Is, is, he, is he guaranteed to line up? And you get to watch him play um, the first game at home. So you pretty much got you, you've got your heart, your, your first half un, unrolled, unraveled for the weekend. So um, there's going to be plenty of sort of uh, late outs. Um, I know he's been named, but you know, uh, Burns, for, Burns, for example, there was rumours that he didn't sort of train today or finished early or was injured or something or other. So <laughs> who knows if a guy like him might be a late, uh, a late switch out on Friday night for some reason, and then all of a sudden. Every man his dog is scrambling for a fourth century quarter because you know, they left Cherry out or they left Nakora out, and all of a sudden their the their fifth century quarter is a, a, you know, a, a bum or a nuffy. So, mate, anything can happen. So, I would uh, I would hold I would hold SJ and play most of the Cowboys. Yep, um, and Jacob actually asked the next question, which was, would you play SJ against the Cows or Cleary against the Raiders this week? So, assuming he can only play one of them. If I would wait for Wacko's late mail and see see what his confidence in SJ is. Look, if, if SJ is doing the, the captain's run with no niggling injuries or there's no concerns over him, then 100% um, I'd go I'd go SJ purely because it's the cows. He's at the cows. He's at home, and I really don't like what the what the Raiders can do. Um, if you have concerns around SJ SJ's injury or there's any kind of inkling that he, he might be he might be a late omission, um, yeah, just, just go straight to Cleary. Yep, 100% agree. SJ's on face value, the number one play out of the two for me. Um, but um, even if he's not ruled out, Billy, I'll go one step further and say if there's rumours that he's, he's carrying the injury still, and he's, but he's playing, uh, I'd consider going the other way just because it could mean that um, SJ doesn't kick as well, which we've seen happen before, and you don't want to play him if he's not kicking. Yeah, and Penis are going eight, eight, eight for eight, mate. It's not, they're, they're, on, they're on confidence, they're on momentum. Cleary is kicking goals. Two hours scoring a try again now. He's on he's on Cleary's side on the right. He's running with confidence. Uh, Kickout's not there, so maybe they don't go that short ball left as much. Yeah, look, I, 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 Cleary's back. So even if you decide to ignore us and go Cleary over SJ, it's not the worst in the world because he is at home. They are going up eight in a row. They go up, they're running for finals, mate. I would um I'd still I'd, I would still back Cleary for a half decent score. I just think that you know SJ has that 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 potential X factor for maybe a ton. Yeah, uh, I'm playing both of them. So I'm playing Cleary and SJ, and I'll be benching a Ford to do that. So, I mean, that's a that's another option for you. Um, Zach has asked us, with only three trades left, is it worth him going RTS to Teddy, or should he hold the trades for injury and suspension? I was a little bit um, uh, surprised when I see people 
um, say no, um, hold the trades and stuff. I mean, it, there's no right or wrong answers. If you, if you think that you you should be holding trades or whatever, then that's cool. But for me, I think that two trades is fine to go into the last what will be the next uh, last six rounds of the season after this week. Two trades for the last six rounds. Um, I don't think that you're that much better off having three. Um, and I think that Teddy is a definite um, upgrade over at RTS for the rest of the season because of RTS's draw versus Teddy's draw. So. Uh, for me, Billy, I'm 100% pulling the trigger on RTS to Teddy, um, especially with Teddy playing the Bulldogs this week and being a legit captaincy option. Yeah, but you know who the, do you know who the Warriors are playing? Not the Bulldogs. Have a look. <laughs> Better. Mate, I know they're playing your reels, but I've got faith in you boys at home. <laughs> yeah, mate, it, it's, um, yeah, look, it, it, it's, at, um, it's at Bankwest, so... They're coming up for flogging. It's not, it's not like his turbo, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. If it's not going to be too costly, I would be inclined to hold RTS for one week and hope for a, um, a pod score over Teddy this week. But I'll tell you what, I would be absolutely shitting myself not owning Teddy if he's on sort of a 60 or 70 and a half time. <laughs> the dogs, mate. Yeah, look, money-wise, you're going to make money out of waiting. Um so, you know, RTS has a low VE and Teddy has a high one around the, the ton mark. So you're going to make money waiting. I, I never like to wait at this point, though. You know, if you know a player's got a good matchup or you want them now, um, you know, each game that goes by, that's less of the season that you have your ideal team. So I think you need to back your gut. If you think that Teddy's your guy, get him now because there's only seven games left. And I tell you what, the next two weeks that the Roosters have are the Bulldogs and the Titans. And I'd rather play those next two weeks with Teddy than what I would have done RTS, even playing against Billy's shitty Parramatta team that he has no hope in. So I'd be doing it myself, Zach. Um, Timothy's asked us, is Croker worth holding as a fifth centre wing? So he's got Mao, Nakora, Bateman and Luttrell. Um, or is it better for him to cash for an option with an easier run home and higher ceiling? Croker, a few weeks ago, I was pretty happy to hold for a while and sort of see what happens, Billy. Um, and I am a Croker owner. I might be selling him now, though, because the draw starts to get a bit tougher. The last few weeks, they've had, um, uh, you know, the Eels, the Dragons, and um, the Tigers. He's gone 44, 92, and 18, so not the best, but seems to be a bit of a scattergun approach with him. Um, they're coming up against Penrith away, then the Warriors away, and then they hit the dreaded double of the Roosters and the Storm. So I kind of think the Croker's an okay rotation guy the next two weeks, Um Maybe particularly against the Warriors, Canberra could carve them up even if it's away. I think they still put on points. But you're really not going to want to play him for round 21 or 22. Um, and then he does hit, you know, Manly, the Sharks, and then finishes with the Warriors. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, I'd prefer it if you had six centre wings and have him in the rotation there as some cover. But if you've only got five, he might be better off grabbing someone else. Yeah, um, his, yeah his run's come to a grinding halt. The only the only reason I would actually hold him if would be if you're one of those people that has him as a fifth or sixth centre three quarter and you're inside the top four and you're head to head because he plays um, at home versus the Warriors for the last game of the season inside the um, so it would be a head to head grand final so having him in a head to head grand final at home versus the Warriors with the, um, the run that the Raiders have been having. He's probably your expected going into a grand final off here, you know, one thousand, two thousand, or three thousand dollar winner takes all. But you would want to hope that you actually make it there because it's a tough run reading after that that last game, mate. So I'd I wouldn't be playing him at all between now and then, apart from one of one of one of the next couple of games. So if you need the cash, 
get rid of the bastard. But if you can somehow somehow hide him and you're rich as hell, then he's a uh, great option around sort of seven or eight weeks. Yeah, I, I think probably the main thing that um, is leaning me towards a sell of him uh, for this particular team is Mount Acora, Bateman and Latrella are the other four centre wings. Three of those guys are, are back rowers, which, which is good. You know, you've got that great base. But if you're playing head-to-head, um, a lot of people, you know, Nakora, Bateman and Latrell are hugely owned. Like, the average percentage across the three of them is about 45-50%. So that makes it really hard in a lot of head-to-heads. And what you're going to find is, over the course of the next seven rounds, you're going to want to swap one of those guys out. Um, and you wouldn't really want to be swapping them out for Croker in a lot of those weeks. You'd want to have another option. And generally speaking, the other problem with um, just having forwards is that they're really solid with you know, 60 scores, but they're unlikely to hit you uh, an 80 or a 90 like a quality centre wing might hit with getting a double or something like that. So you really want to have that option in head-to-head to be able to change your team up and be able to go for a bigger score because if you've only got the core left um, and, you know, he's he, he's got an average matchup, it's not great for him and you're 82 points behind and you're down to your last player to play that's unique then you really want to be able to swap him to someone else other than Croker that might be able to hit your 82, and you're not really going to have those options to do that. So I'd be going for a um, a guy with a better ceiling myself and and probably pulling the trigger. Yeah, I agree with it. Yeah. Just hold him if you want that one game at the end of the season. But isn't it? on the on the flip side of that too, he could do nothing in the in, he could do nothing in the next four weeks to lose 150k. If one or two of your other players goes down and, and you need to sell him for a forward. It could be worth 150k less and, and, and be short of a decent swap. So you're either selling now or you bench him and you don't use it at all for sort of five weeks. Yeah, and again, I, I, I agree with Billy. I don't think there's anything wrong with holding him, but I just think it's a lot safer if you've got six centre wings. And unfortunately, Timothy's only got five centre wings to rotate, so it, it changes the dynamic quite a bit. I'd be looking at those other two guys that you got in the centre wing and seeing whether you can make it happen that you can get six centre wings by holding Croker maybe trading a forward if you own kick out or something that's ideal and you can throw one of the, I know, the Nuff six-centre wing that you got into the second row oh. through Jules and, and fix it up that way so you got six-centre wings. That, that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah. Mate, honestly, mate, I'd be, I'd be getting rid of a second row a second row forward, moving the core up the second row and bringing Mal in. So that way uh, your centre-three quarter line should be um, uh, Latrell, Bateman, Mal, someone else probably had burns down there and if there's an injury then you can rotate Nakora or Mao uh, vice versa in in the centre three quarter and, and second row and always bring in a, a boat like Burns or bring in sort of you know, Mao or Nakora to, uh, as your backup option at second row so yeah. yep. that's the way I would go yep it depends on your makeup of your team as well Timothy We're, me and Billy are having some guesses here um, it depends on what those other centre wing positions that you've got are so, Maddie's asked us, who do you reckon scores more, Ponga versus Tigers or Teddy versus Dogs? Captain Dilemma. It is a bit of a dilemma. Who do you reckon is going to score more, Billy? <laughs> Mate, if Perso's asking this question, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think there's a definitive answer. Um, look, what I, do, what I do know is that um, Ponga, Ponga average is pretty much close to 90 all, all last year without even really trying. He has a very, very high floor. Um, for him to be playing uh, at, at home again post Origin, the guy the guys rested now. They need to win some games, and he's and he's kissing goals. Uh, I would take him over a guy 
like Teddy. And the only reason I would do that is because I know Teddy has a much higher ceiling and he could probably go 160, 170 this week. But the dogs of that shit house, mate, they could have, you know, people crawl and punch 90 this week. Joe, Manu, Manu, Manu punched 90 and, you know, your left, side, your left side scores three or four tries each and Teddy does nothing apart from, you know, a couple of runs and a try assist and a line break. So I just think the dogs are that terrible that, you know, every run, every run in that Chooks team could score. Whereas uh, Ponga, Ponga at home with the goal kicking is is probably your solid BC option. Yeah, I'm going to go against you here, Matt. I'm going to go for Teddy. I reckon Teddy's going to score more. Uh, but I, I think they're both great options. Teddy's, um, the Bulldogs are Teddy's second favourite team as far as his average scores. He's, his best is against Parramatta where he averages 90 points a game. There you go, Billy. Parra gets another shout out. Um, and his second best average is against the Bulldogs in the NRL, which is 75 points a game. So he averages 75 against the Dogs, which is the second best that he's got. He loves that opposition, it looks like. Um, I'd go for Teddy, but I like them both. Um, I'm probably going to be VC Ponga and C Teddy this week, even though it's a real, it's one that everyone's going to do. I think that both of them have just got such a massive ceiling this week. Personally, I'm just going both. I just want, I just want a piece of each of them because they, any, either of them could score 150 points this week. Mate, it's the curse of the person. You, you know, you know, no matter what he picks, it's gonna, it's gonna screw him up anyway. The, the poor bloke scored 1380 or something this week and got smashed by a 1607. The bloke actually came first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I saw, saw that bloke's team and he played guys like Garrick and had a few others in there that I didn't really love. So, I mean, I think he got a bit unlucky there. But anyway, I'll, I'll ask Perso afterwards how he scores and we'll figure it out which one he went for. I don't, I don't think that was luck, mate. Playing a guy, playing a guy like Garrick who's kicking goals um, on the wing versus the Eels at home, I think that was a very clever move. I just don't know anyone who still owns the bastard. Well, that was my point. I just thought, oh, wow, you still own Garrick. It's a great matchup, but I didn't know how he owned him. But anyway, good luck with that one, Perso. I'm just, just follow me. Go VC Ponga and see Teddy. All right, so this question is from Rick Harrington. He said, this is my final team. I've got one trade left. Should I trade someone or hold? I'm sticking with RTS. He's just got a feeling that Turbo's hammies won't last a year, mate. Committed to RTS, so that's fine. You've got to go with your gut. Um, looking at the rest of your team... Um, because he's posted us for us, Billy. He's got 582 grand in the bank to make this trade, which is a good spot to be in. So the thing that stuck out for me, Billy, probably number one, is that he's got five centre wings. He's pretty well covered everywhere else. Um, I would probably be looking at getting uh, another centre wing, potentially as a sixth centre wing, because he's got money to burn. Um, other thing is as well, he's got guys like Twal, Stags, and Papali in his Ford pack. Um, so he could upgrade one of those, but it's probably a waste of cash to do that when you can go, you know, enough to a gun, basically. So what do you reckon? Not the biggest fan of um, Gutherson. Not, not, I'm, I know he started the year pretty well, but he had a couple of scores in the 90s. He's not goal-kicking. I've tossed and turned as, as to whether as to whether they're getting back for the second half of the season. I I think Gutherson is dead weight. I'd be too scared to play him at the moment. Um I like you draw too who, much. Who are the others? I reckon you draws. I reckon you draws gold. I, I don't mind Gutho for the rest, but that's all right. Um, so his his other centre wings aside from Gutho made a Bateman, Mao, Nakora, and Burns. But remember, he can upgrade um, Coates to anyone as a six centre wing option. I reckon you really need to get Matrell with that draw. You really need Matrell. Yep. 
I'd agree with that. Um, and I'd even burn. Uh, I'd even consider burning the last trade of going Coates to Latrell. Um, I think that's the one that stands out. Um, so I agree with Billy 100% on that. The only thing that I would pause with is with only one trade left, I would maybe be considering just holding it all the way through because your team's pretty well set up. Um, you've got a lot of options. Um, the safe bet is to just hold the trade, Rick. Um, but if you're comfortable with the depth that you got in your side and you just want to gun for it, uh, I mean, uh, Latrell's the trade to make if you're going to do it. So coach to Latrell, like Billy said, that's the way to go. But yeah. just have a have a real long, hard think about it, mate, whether you want to have zero tra- trades left for the next seven weeks. I'd just be concerned about not having Latrell this week versus the dogs. Kicking 800 goals. Yep. No, that's definitely the one to go for um, as far as trades. But just, just cons- your, your two options, mate, are, are hold it or burn it and grab Latrell. Um, but either one of those, I think, is, um, is a decent option. So next question uh, is from Ben. As your last trade, who would you trade in for the run home out of Pangai, Murray, Clemmer and JFH? Tough one, Billy. Pangai's playing lock again, not on the edge. Even though he's been in a bit of form. Murray, I would hold off on. Um, only because he relies on attacking stats. Ten minutes to go last week, the bloke was uh, nowhere near 90 or 100 or whatever it was. So um, as good as he is, I'm not really sold on the 60 minutes of the middle forward unless his name is Tom Lover. So I'd probably go to Clemmer. A lot bigger minutes, a lot bigger base, um, guaranteed to the 60 or 65 sort of points. Yep. Without going over the line, I just I just like him. I agree with Clemmer, and he's um, reasonably low end as well, below 20%. Um, next question is: Will Cody Walker be worth running this week as a reserve? So, unfortunately, we've got a, a real bad turn of form for Cody Walker owners. He hasn't been playing well at all. Uh, pretty much Origin killed him. It's been crazy, mate. 25 points on the weekend. Before that, he had 50, 59, 36, and 20. Got to bust out soon. He's playing the, the Dragons um, at ANZ. Um, I would, as, mu- as much as he's been disappointing, for me personally, I'd be playing him against the Dragons because who knows what they're going to toss up with how they've been playing. 100%. That's another example of a pod move. Like if you've been benching him or if you've got a block like that or if you've got 800 trades you want for this week, I'll tell you what though. It's good to see these come back to earth because I sure as shit wasn't expecting um, you know, a try every game for the first two weeks of the bloody season. That's just a shame that he destroyed a lot of people's seasons. But good luck to you if you picked him up. But um, if he's going to bounce back, it's going it's to be this week. If not, then you've got to bench him for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, he's pretty much had no attack for five weeks. So um, it's been a real bad run. So that probably means he's due and the Dragons is just as good a game as any. So I'd be playing him. Sorry, mate. It's, it's not. It's, it's not just that. You got to remember. Um, Souths had a lot of had um, um, a lot of people on Origin, mate. So, and and especially with Cook, who, who, who runs straight out the middle, him and Murray, Service has been out. They're coming. They're coming back to full strength now. So th- their middle's going to be rolling again. You can't expect a five eight to be you know damaging every week where you're just not going up the middle, going up the middle of the park um, with, with your big fellas. You, you know that more than anyone else, mate. So now that they're back on a roll, um, they're at they're at home. Um, they're, they're playing a lot better. Um, Cook, Cook will leave that team straight up the middle again. I reckon Cody gets a lot more room this week, and I, I think you see a. a I think I think you see a resurgent Cody this week, so I'm not going to say he's a uh, a BC option, but I'll, I'll tell you what, if you got him, I think yeah, I think this is the week he bounces back. I agree. Finish off on Brandon Savage's question. So I need Teddy for the run home. I've got two trades left and 70k in the bank. Who do I get rid of? 
he can wait for guys like Johnson to peak and go SJ to Teddy. Uh, but this week, Teddy's obviously got the, the Bulldog, so you preferably have him for this week. Pretty much his options to trade, mate. I'm going to say Ponga and Turbo are obviously not options to use to trade to get Teddy. But his other options are Moses um, and Munster this week. Um, are the only two that can get him for the Bulldogs game. He'd have to trade one of those two. Otherwise, he could wait and he could trade SJ potentially in another week or two. Ouch. <laughs> what, a shit, what a shit dilemma you want him this week. I'm sort of inclined to... I never thought I'd ever say this. I'm inclined to keep Moses over Munster, given that Munster plays Manly twice um, and Eels just had that good draw starting with the Warriors this week. I would 100% be trading Munster over Moses, and that's not saying that I think Munster's a worse player, but the draws for Moses is, is too good. Yeah, it's just a gut thing. I, I think, mate, I, I really think you can't afford to lose to lose Teddy's points this week. I would, I would much rather... Um, don't wait for SJ to drop. Just if you need Teddy and you're gonna, and you think he's going to score 160 this week, get rid of get rid of Munster to do it and do it this week. Yeah, I mean it's a shit spot to be in. So I feel sorry for him um, because you know all those guys you want to have in your side, but you just can't fit them all, um, and you've, he's got to get rid of one of them. Munster's um, 33% owned, um, so that's higher than what Mitchell Moses is or SJ or Cleary. So um, you are going to be trading out the higher own guy um, out of those guys as well. So that's one thing as far as the pod move goes. Just going, like you said, Billy, just on gut, my gut says I'd rather play Moses for the balance of the year than Munster. So I'd probably pull the trigger on Munster to Teddy. I think you absolutely have to have Teddy there. So I just think he's in a tough spot where he's got to do it. I just think, uh, you know, Teddy... Teddy over a resurgent monster. I think I know. I know which one I want to back. So if I had to choose between the two, I know which one I'm picking. Yeah, and Teddy's got the dogs and and the Titans the next couple of weeks. Um, monster does get to hit the Titans as well a couple of times, but uh, or he missed out on one of them, so he's got one more Titans game up. But yeah, I, look, that's the one I would do if you want to wait though, Sabs. You could you could wait because Teddy does have a BE of around a hundred, so you know he's he's not going to go up in price really. So if you're confident that Munster's going to go well, then you know back your gut on it. But I tend to think that Teddy over the next few weeks is going to outscore Munster, so your net gain's going to be there. So I'd probably do that. I like Teddy better than that uh, than um, Munster, but yeah, shit decision, isn't it, mate? Hard one. Yeah, I'm scared shitless. I'm not captaining Teddy now. I might uh, VC Murray instead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not Murray Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, shout out to the Mike and Savs podcast since they threw in a question there. Great podcast. Me and Billy both jumped on it as guests. Um, Mike and Savs do a good job as well. A lot of fun. Let's go on to the TLT, mate, because this is going to be a critical round. Round 18 is the real business end. So first game of the round is Sharks and Cows. This one's over at Pointsbet Stadium for the Sharkies. So the changes are we've got Dugan coming back at the fullback role. Um, with Matty Moylan unavailable because of his hamstring injury. Um, Josh Morris is back at centre. Kurt Capel goes to the back row. And Fafita's obviously out. And Hamill and Ueli starts for him. Uh, other than that, uh, Michael Morgan's still gone for the Cowboys, um, which means Shane Wright's still starting. Uh, first game of the round, Sharks at home versus the Cowboys. First thing, let's just get, jump straight onto the C and the VC options. I know SJ's been... A, a little bit <laughs> underwhelming um, in real life, but his scoring hasn't been too bad. 
It's the first game of the season against the Cows. They need to fire. One of the things I like about him is with Matt Moylan out, Josh Dugan isn't a guy that holds a lot of possessions because uh, Matt Moylan's a playmaker, Dugan's a runner. Um, Sean Johnson should get more possessions to play with. Um, and I think that'll work a lot better for him. Um, a lot of pressure. I reckon he steps up a bit. I I wouldn't mind him as a VC option, considering that no one's going to go for it. And it's the first game, so it's easy for loopers as well. Uh, look, if, if you were going to choose anyone out of that team for a, for a, a VC, mate, um, it'd be SJ, purely because there's no one else on that side that would even come anywhere near it. It would definitely have to be SJ, SJ out of that lot for sure. Yep. I mean, and on on the flip side, um, Tom Malolo is playing first this week. Um, he has been, you know, hitting some good lines to get some line breaks lately as well. He's he's gotten a few line breaks in the last month. Um, Sharks have been pretty flimsy. Uh, they don't have Fafita in the middle, although he's been pretty useless for him lately. You're, I don't think you can VC Tom Malolo, but he could be in for a big game. It might be a pod option because no one's going to put the C on him this week, being first game, just to throw the C on straight away. Or do you think that the double the double go at it's too too hard to pass up? Nah. Yeah, double goes too hard to pass up, mate. I don't, I don't. Although he's playing more than sixty minutes a game pretty much all season, and he's had sort of three eighty-minute games. Yeah, I'd much rather go a half, mate. There's too many good options this week with 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 very high ceilings. So you look at what happened last week. Um, Tom and I scored ninety, but it was nowhere near good enough for a captaincy option, given how many others were sort of scoring ninety with ease. So. I'd be I'd be afraid of not owning Tomalolo this late in the season, but I wouldn't be bothering with VC with him. Yep, I agree. I just got to throw it out there because it's been talked about a little bit um, on Market Watch. Two sharks are the most traded out players this week. So we spoke about um, in all the feeder questions about him um, being you know lesser owned and lesser played going down the track for the run home. Thirteen percent of coaches have traded him out. That is absolutely massive. So that means his ownership is um, going to go down from 42% um, to, you know, that, that number will rise in the trade-outs probably. So it'll go into the high 20s in ownership. Um, so that's a pretty good ownership percentage for Andrew Fafita for the run home. Um, I understand people doing it, though. We discussed that already. Bronson Sherry is the other guy. He's second on the list with 4.5% four, uh, four of coaches trading out Sherry. We've discussed for feeder already. You know, we're both happy to hold or, or trade out if you really have to. Um, I'm pretty happy looking at those numbers that I'm holding for feeder now. But Bronson Cherry, mate, would you keep him for the Sharks run and, and just keep him as a rotation run, or you're happy just to cut him now and, and move on? No, I'd be happy just to cut him now. Like he was playing against the Warriors last week and didn't do very well. So if you can't score versus them, mate, you don't deserve a score at all. Um, I like that he's back at I, centre though. I, I actually prefer him on the wing. I'd like to go a guy like that with that sort of blinding speed. I would much prefer him as a finisher, having like zero base and just being able to finish off a couple per game and get that sort of sixty points and add sort of his base of fifteen on the wing as opposed to you know thirty five forty points in the middle and just hoping he gets through the line or getting an offload away to the winger. I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd either I just don't like him even as a sort of fifth fifth sort of option at the moment. I, I like Nakora as a fifth option, so. With, with that fifty base, with that with that fifty four, I'd just get rid of um, Jerry for now, mate. He's done his job. Yep. How do you see this one going, Billy? Sharks are under the pump. I reckon they would have had a rock up after the last few weeks. Um, the fact that Fafita is not there, throw away stupid penalties, mate. I reckon they get over the line. But I'll tell you what, Tom Malolo won't give, be giving him an easy time, mate. 
Yeah, I reckon that the Sharks are specials this week. I love them in a dollar fifty-five at the moment on sports bet. Um, under huge pressure, they love the siege mentality. Gallon's been up them. I think um, Moylan being out actually helps because Dugan's at fullback and he's going to be a bit happier there and he's um, better, uh, a better player there. I reckon the Sharkies versus Cowboys at home. It's the perfect formula for them to bounce back and get a bit happier over in the Shire. So, oh, mate, Dugan could not be any freaking worse than Moylan dead set. Oh, Moylan's, Moylan's mistakes and stuff at fullback are terrible. The problem is he's on, you know, over a million dollars a year or something. So you can't put him at six because he's worse there than one. And putting him at one, um, it means Dugan's worse and you can't get rid of either of them because they're both overpaid and no one wants them. So it makes it hard. I actually think that their team looks better with Moylan out of it at the moment and Dugan will make less errors and defensively he's a lot better. But um, yeah, I'm going to go for the Sharkies to be 12 plus winners against the Cowboys at home. Um, should be a good start. Mate, I, can de- I, I can still hear Penrith laughing about that trade. <laughs> Knights versus West Tigers. So um, this one's at McDonald Jones Stadium. For the Knights, we've got no changes. So they've remained strong. Um, means that Connor Watson is still on the bench in Jersey 14 as well. Michael Maguire's actually made a few changes. So Ryan Madison moves to lock, which is very super coach relevant. Um, Eisenhuth has been dropped to the reserves. Chris Lawrence is on the bench with Garner back and starting, the old cash cow from the start of the season. Alex Twell has been dropped by the, to the bench for Oliver Clark, which I found um, a little puzzling. And um, Corey Thompson's returning. So quite a few changes for Madge. I think the biggest supercoach relevant one is uh, what do you think the difference is going to be from Madison moving? Are you are you worried about it if you're a Madison owner? No, not really. Um, most of... He, he scores sort of 60-odd, 55, 60-odd every week with only sort of, you know, I think he's only been, what, two games, maybe three this year with a try. Um, I know he's going to get more clutch on, on more clutch on the edge, but the bloke's a workhorse, mate. He's just an absolute tackle-bot machine. So if you take him from the edge and put him in the middle, and he's playing, if he's playing 80 minutes in the middle, he'll, he'll just rack up those big numbers. Um, uh, I can't remember, remember where, I, where I read this, but it would have been one of our smaller groups earlier today. And um, the couple of games where Madison's actually scored a much higher base was obviously where he was sort of rotating the edge and middle. Um, it might have even been Wilfred posting that stat earlier today. I read it somewhere. So, yeah, I, I, as long as he's playing 80 minutes, you can pretty much bang on him having a much having a much bigger sort of base. Like, just like any, any, any edge that moves to the middle, as long as they're playing more minutes, especially a bloke of his pedigree, mate, I think you can bank on a decent score. What if he's not playing 80 minutes, so um, a lot of 13s will end up playing sort of 60 or 65? He's not Elijah Taylor, mate. They're not, they're not going to put him on the bench after after 50 minutes. He's too valuable for him. I would hope so, but I've stopped trying to guess what coaches are going to do. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, well, 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 they did pay 800000 for Reynolds for four years, so... <laughs> putting, putting their best player at 13 for 20 minutes wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Urson Masters is the third most traded player out on Market Watch. Um, I completely understand because he has been so frustrating for me. Um, we've spoken about him quite a bit before. It, it makes sense to probably trade him out. The flip side of that as well is um, David Clemmer is actually the number one most purchased player this week in this game. So Clemmer's been purchased by 6.8% of coaches. It's a great purchase, Billy. I really like him for this week and to get him in. Dual second row, front row forward, only 528k, almost a straight swap from someone like Kikia. A lot of those for feeder owners are probably going straight to him as well. 
I hate it from a personal Supercoach perspective, though, mate, because at the moment he's only owned by 17% of teams, and that's going to be more like 25% of teams when the round starts. <laughs> I didn't realize, I didn't realize he was that cheap. I hadn't even, I hadn't even looked at the, um, the price slot, but if that's his price, it's a bargain. Yeah, great purchase for this week. Um, I don't really want to drum up too much support for him because I don't want everyone buying him because I don't want him to get to 40%, but, you know, <laughs> it is a good purchase for this week. Um, Ponga, mate, he looks like a great VC option for this one. Um, he's probably my number one in this game, and I, I think I'm going to have to bite the bullet and go. I think a lot of people are doing the VC on, the VC on him this week, mate. So um, all I know is pretty much every man his dog's going to be VCing him. Apart from me, maybe. It might be going to cook now. <laughs> but only because I want a bloody pod. But the only concern with him being a VC is I've got no idea if he goes out significantly goes over a ton or not. But if you look at all the lineups available, he's probably one of the better options. Um, it's not the it's not the first game. It's not too late in the weekend. It's plenty, there's plenty of outs still. You, you know the guy's got the average, average is 90. Um, just, just, just taking the field. Um, he had a decent score last week um, after coming back after after a bit of a layoff versus one of the top one of the better teams in the comp. So, yeah. At home this week is probably probably a no-brainer for you know eighty percent of coaches. Yeah, a couple of stats for that. So since he went to fullback in round four, um, he's only got two scores since round four that are under seventy-nine. So he's basically been scoring a minimum of eighties, and um, he's the last four games he's gone seventy-nine, sixty, and then he had his back-to-back tons of one hundred and twelve and one hundred and eighteen. So he did that against the Roosters with his one twelve and the Dragons away with the one eighteen. So Got two tons out of his last four games, mate. Um, Tigers could give up quite a few points for him because I tell you what, he scored 79 points being trounced by the Roosters on the weekend. So he does look like that he could be a, a really good option. I'm, I'm too scared to not do it myself. I, I'd rather do a pod one, but I think that I'm just too scared to do that. I think I'm just going to have to keep the VC on him. Yeah, look, the thing with Ponger is he's so bloody consistent, but he just doesn't have, he hasn't had like a massive, massive score, and that's what I'm looking for. Cook and Teddy have more of that sort of um, impact potential this week. Yeah, fair enough. So aside from that, um, mate, how do you see this one actually going? Uh, it's at McDonald Jones Stadium. The Knights are coming off a really bad loss. Um, the Tigers can a, a little bit of an enigma. It's hard to tell whether they're actually going to step up and have some good games again, or they're just going to you know whittle off and have a really poor run to the end of the season. But they're not that far out the eight themselves. Um, I think the Knights are going to bounce back myself, but I'm a little bit worried about this one. I don't really know what side's going to turn up on either side of this park. I think the Knights, I think the Knights uh, put the boot in the Rabbitohs vs. Dragons is the next one. Um, so Sam Burgess and Tom Burgess have been included in the reserves. Um, apparently Tom's going to play, so you can pretty much count him in. Sam looks unlikely, um, still bat- battling his infection. Uh, Billy mentioned that Burns has been um, not training, but he's definitely going to be playing, apparently. He's been named as well. Dragons have got a huge amount of changes. Gareth Widdop returns at 5'8", with Norman at fullback, Dufty benched. Hunt is back from his rest. And both wingers got dropped, mate. So we've got Saab and Lomax on the wings, with Pearson and Ravalawa dropped. I'll have a 30-second Mary rant here. This smacks of someone who is trying to make it look like he's making changes to his side, but he's not actually making any changes that are going to have any impact. When you're going to drop two young wingers who really haven't had 
you know, the impact and fingerprints on the losses that some of the other more senior players have had. You know, I, I think that he's just making changes just to try and make it look like he's making changes. Dropping Ravalawa and Jonas Pearson when guys that are senior like Lafay in, in a centre position has played awful. Oh, I just, I don't know what he's doing. And then he puts Dufty back on the bench. Are you the Mary Whisperer? Do you understand at all what he's what he's trying to do with these changes? <laughs> I have no idea, mate. Grab it down the hole. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> well, um, you went. You said that you were going to VC Cook. Um, if you were VCing earlier in the round, um, would you go for the C Cook um, over someone like Teddy later in the week? Do you think that's an option to consider? Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I really like, Cook. I, really, I really like Cook this weekend. It's the the only reason I wouldn't be doing. I'm not doing it straight out is because of the fear factor with Teddy, um, knowing that he's. Has um you know, versus the dogs last year, he had two try assists in the try in the first game and one try assist in the second game, and he ended up scoring 113 and 77 without it, without trying too much. So, uh, an average of 95 versus the dogs is what scares the shit out of me. Yeah, look, Cook's the uh, fifth most traded in play this week, so he's got a little bit more higher own. But Cam Murray was just in front of him at fourth. He scored a ton on the weekend, and he he went fantastic. Um, he's he's looking like he's rounding back into form. Do you think that he maybe just hit some attack and got a big score, and he'll revert down to maybe some smaller ones again, or you reckon that everyone's got to get him in for this week? Oh, I don't think you need to get him in. I just think he's 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 back to his usual self. But um, I haven't. I I never ended up trading him out. I ended up keeping him, but I haven't played him for a month. Last week's the first time I played him since uh, round. 13 or 14 or something or other so the timing worked well although um, it was a bit of a miracle like he he only sort of came good towards the end of the game but it is an 80 minute it is an 80 minute game yeah look he, he's by no means a must have but I'll tell you what um, if Cook's on song I'll tell you what he's, he's the guy that's always sniffing around the middle if, if anyone's ever look, looking like they're going to have a line break in that team I've never I've never seen a 13 more likely to go through the line than you know, a fullback or a sneaky sort of centre three-quarter. Yeah, he's had a really good season. Um, Cody Walker and Sam Burgess are actually the seventh and eighth most traded out players this week. That makes a bit of sense. I, I think I'd actually be holding Walker for this week and playing him, though, which we mentioned a bit earlier. I, I really well, like this matchup. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, no, I love that matchup, mate. I think this is the week for Walker to bounce back, and he's a great pod, so I... I wouldn't care if he's bit break even with 200. I would just hold him and play him this week. Yeah, I would be playing every rabbit that I own this week. Um, Braden Burns is another one that I'd, I'd be looking at playing. Um, the Dragons, I've really got no idea whether they bounce back or not. They haven't been winning at all. So I'm going for the rabbit ace here. Got to go. The 13-plus sports bet special, I reckon. Mate, I don't know anyone that would be going anything other than the rabbits this week. Eels Warriors are the next one, mate, over at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, Blake Ferguson's still out for the Eels. But Wanga Blake is going to make his debut with Hoffman shifting to the wing. Um, Sean Lane's out injured. Other than that, the Warriors have got supercoach weapon Ken Mamolo back from concussion. No real other big um, supercoach news for changes. So let's go straight to the result. Are you confident in your Eels this week? Are you a confident Eels supporter? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, mate. Warriors at Bankwest I mean, no. Stadium. You, you you should be you should be pleased. Oh, I'm a lot more confident than I was last week. Um, uh, last week we said to lay all your eels, not play any of them. This week I'd put them all in your lineup if you got them. Smoke them if you got them. Look, if you're ever going to take all your eggs in one basket for one week, this is probably the week to do it for the eels. But in 
saying that. You could probably say exactly the same thing for the Warriors. This is um, this is a great week for the more Marlow owners to getting back. Um, you, you know that Eels leak points down the edges, especially down that right edge, although he plays the other side. But a guy like Mormalo, who, who is one of the leading try scorers in the comp, not to score a try versus the Eels, highly unlikely. Yep. Funnily enough, on Market Watch, um, Clint Gutherson is a fourth race traded out player. I would be pretty keen to play him this week. Um, if you have to make the trade, I understand, but. You know, the Eels have a pretty good run starting this week and, and I'd be inclined to just just to be playing him. But anyway, he's getting traded out. Um, the other three higher-owned Eels players in Manu Ma'u and Moses um, and Sebo, they should all have pretty good games this week, Billy. I agree with you. I'd, I'd be playing any one of those guys that I own this week for sure without hesitation. But uh, RTS... Yeah. RTS, mate, is he a captaincy or VC option? Probably not VC. He doesn't normally go big enough, but... No. As, as ordinary as I think the Eels are, they, they're just as likely to turn up this week um, at home versus the likelihood that they don't turn up in Melbourne. It's, 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 it's too risky. So I would absolutely not be wasting a chance to throw the C straight on Teddy. I, th- I think this is one week where you, did, you just can't... You just can't really stray from that sort of Teddy option and it. Yep, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of an alternative. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I'd definitely be playing RTS if I owned him for this week. I think it's a prime matchup, like Billy said. Welcome return to Mamolo. I'd definitely be playing him as well. This one smells like it could have a lot of points in it, Billy. Really good one for super coaches who own four or five of these players, which is going to be a lot of teams that do. I'm going to go for a points fest, mate. I reckon it's going to be 32 to 20 for the Eels, mate. This would be like the Diamonds versus the Ferns, 52 51. <laughs> this is the only podcast on the planet that uh, references netball as well as rugby league. So there you go. Um, Try watching the Eels for 30 years. You'll start watching the netball too. So Titans vs Broncos is the next one. Now this one, we've got Michael Gordon promoted from the bench to the starting side. Um, Brimson's moving into the halves with Jacks out. Peachy's returning to the bench. We've got England centre Watkins playing his first game for the Titans. Um, that'll be interesting to see. Other than that, for the Broncos side, Matt Gillette is back, and he's back on an edge, which means TPJ shifts to lock, and Flegler is out with suspension. So, first things first, mate, TPJ, we didn't want him to move to lock, we wanted him to stay on the edge. Yeah, disappointing. You can't have everything, mate. Um, If he goes to lock and plays big minutes, you know it's going to be sort of 60 minutes. Um, On the edge, he was getting 80. Um, I know the base isn't exactly as high there. But he just has that rampaging run on the edge. Um, I, just, I just don't see the points in the middle. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. I have to play him this week over the feeder. It's just a shame he's not on the edge. That's all. I mentioned when we were chatting about him in the previous podcast that one thing that I think is a bit of a silver lining if he has to go back to 13 is um, they build his minutes up again. So I reckon that they're going to be a bit confident that he can play some bigger minutes in the 13 jersey than what he maybe has before. But more so than that, I think on the edge got his offload um, confidence back. He wasn't offloading very much in the 13 jersey compared to what we're used to him doing. And I reckon now that he's been getting the offloads going like four, five, six, seven a game um, across the last month on the edge, like he's he's probably more confident in it and going to still be trying to flick it again in jersey 13. Um, and he's playing against the Titans this week as well. So you could have worse weeks to play, mate. 
Yeah, look, I think you're right. I think the the benefit they're in a they're in a desperate need to win situation, so you're surely going to have a license to offload a little bit more. Um, it's later in the season, he has a bit more match fitness, uh, maybe a bit more confidence coming back from the edge from the edge to the middle. Um, four forwards, or do they have any, do they have an interchange utility there? Uh, they got Segi on the bench, so only the three forwards. Yeah, so that's, yeah, so there you go. So. But much better chance of having um, increased um, minutes as opposed to earlier this year. But I'll tell you what, I, w- I wouldn't be banking on anywhere near sort of 70 to 80 in the middle this week, but um, which is a shame. But um, look, at, at least now, he's gone from 80 minutes back to 60, as opposed to you know, five weeks ago, he was he was 55 minutes potentially going back to the bench. So We said that Corey Oates was a bit of a downgrade, sneaky option as your sixth centre wing to rotate in for a couple of weeks. And he producing against the Bulldogs, 82 points, two tries. He's only 398,000 still playing against the Titans. So I still think, Billy, if you had to do a downgrade and you just needed that cash for your final trades, you could do worse than grabbing him in. I reckon he's getting a double again this week. I reckon he's going to go back-to-back weeks with a double playing against that Titans wing. Not really sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a different team, mate. I, I I just don't see it. Anthony Milford um, was the only guy that was making me pause to think about not VCing Ponga. Um, he was one that I thought about, and it actually works out really well. So for any Milford owners, if you don't want to go Ponga, Jared Anderson, the, the, the Nuff King that everybody seems to own as enough, and Teddy both play later in the week. So you could uh, use Anderson for the loop if you need to after the Milf game, or go straight to see Teddy. Other than that, Billy, how do you reckon this one's going to play out? What's your prediction? Oh, Broncos in a in a close one. I don't I don't think Titans give up, but I'll tell you what, Bronco, Broncos don't exactly know how to put any any points on ordinary teams. So um, I think you see a different Milford this week. The um the the first game he was obviously coming back to fullback for the first time in God knows how many years. And uh, last last week obviously came came off of that HIA as well. I think that sort of ten that that sort of ten or twelve minutes, especially at the end of the game, makes a massive difference because. That's where you, that's where your fullbacks shine, you know, tired tired forwards. That's where they sort of get their points. So I think you'll find that over the next couple of weeks that Milford is a decent pod, and especially more so next week. Give him a full game under the belt this week. Get him back. Get him back home uh, next week. I think I think you'll see a much better VC option with Milford next week, mate. Yep, I agree. I'm looking forward to playing him this week. Um, I'm going to go for Broncos 13 plus again in this one, though. Uh, and Corey Oates for the double, and Milford to score a try. Storm versus Seagulls next one at Amy Park. We've got all the Origin players back for the Storm. Um, Sandor Earl, Earl stays on the wing because Winavalu is suspended. Seagulls don't have any changes, so um, Kate Cust is on the extended bench, so he can come into contention if he passes his um, concussion protocols. These guys have a bit of a, a running battle for a decade now, going back to the Stewart brothers, where a lot of their games are pretty close and um, pretty fiery. Played a grand final against each other as well, mate. I um, I think this one might be a bit of a stay away game for super coaches, actually. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you on that one, mate. I really don't want to go anywhere near it. When you were talking about pod moves earlier in the podcast, um, Marty Tapau is obviously highly owned. Probably a few more people will um, bench him this week, though. Someone that probably won't be benched by many people is Jake Trevojevic. Um And he looks like a, a really big pod lay because he's so highly owned and he hasn't actually been scoring that well. Um, would you be benching him this week against the Storm or would you be keeping strong with him? Um, if I had to choose between him and a few others, I'd probably play him. 
you got to remember there are certain players uh, that tend to score better in tougher matchups. I would put him and probably Cam Smith in that boat. When you've got um, when you've got a, um, a good a good game where it's tied around the rock, a lot of uh, teams sort of completing their sets and six. Guys like him and Cam Smith just seem to have a lot more base because there's a lot more game through the middle. There's a lot more tackles. There's less, there's less break, breakaways and, and less time spent un, under the goalpost, sort of waiting for wait, waiting for a um, for a conversion. So I don't see this being a really high scoring affair. And so e- even if um, Trevorovich doesn't get one away to his brother and there's no, no line break assist, I think you probably still see sort of Joe puncher sort of sixty to sixty seven type score this week. So I'd I'd probably probably play him this week. But um yeah, a guy like Marty, I'd not playing the same sort of minutes as Jervo, I'd I'd definitely sort of tuck him away in the um wouldn't even bother with him or, or, or in the reserves, but he'd he'd be the NPR, but I'd still play Jervo this week for that reason. Yep. No, fair enough. He he still could go very solid. I um I probably should have mentioned at the start before I got you to say that, but um, the Stormer Jerbo's bogey team, he's got lowest average by far, and only fifty two a game, pretty low. Yeah, I'd, I'd still play him this week. Um, he'd be he'd be my last option there. I'd, I'd obviously play someone like Mario, Murray, Tavaga, Clemmer, Madison, Lolo, Haas, TPJ, Clemmer. Yeah, I'd play all those over the top of him this week. Yep, very fair call. Um, how do you see it going? Who's going to win this one? What's your big call? Oh, mate, I don't think I would ever bet against Melbourne in Melbourne. I think it'd be stupid to do so. If I did, I don't think anyone would take this podcast any more seriously than what they already do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm picking the Storm. I reckon two to four point winners the Storm will be. Um, should be a good game, though. Pretty um, spiteful, as always. I'm sure there'll be some big hits and some niggle in the tackles. Bulldogs versus Roosters is the Sunday game. Um, now, the Roosters absolutely killed it last week, um, smashed the Knights. Um, Manu was rested last week. We had some questions about that. There was a Fox Sports article that said that he was he was dropped. He was rested. Uh, Robbo said that. Um, Brent Morris moves back to the bench. Um, Jake Friend is gone with a forearm fracture. Victor Radley moves up to nine. Isaac Leo returning at lock. Um, it's really going to change the, um, the rotations up with the forwards and stuff. Butcher's on the bench. With this one, mate, um, the Bulldogs have gotten rid of Brendan Wakeman, who I thought was actually pretty good for them recently. Um, Kieran Foran might be coming back in. And aside from that, Montoya got um, done for the season with an ACL, but we've got Tolman coming back. None of the Bulldogs changes are really going to be too relevant. Um, unfortunately, none of their players really are going to be either, especially this week. But for the Roosters side, mate, I'm a Teddy, Tupo and Mitchell owner. And I can't wait to play those guys. And if I had Luke Keery in my side, I'd be pretty excited as well. Yeah, I'm salivating at um, playing Keery again this week, mate. I finally had a good week last week, so I'm pretty excited about chucking the um, the Roosters in there again. Teddy, Tupo and Mitchell all scored tries uh, last weekend. I reckon that uh, the same thing's going to happen again this week. I reckon that all three of those guys are going to get tries. And I'm, I'm going to make the big call that Tupo's going to get a double this week as well. He loves playing the Bulldogs. It's one of his yeah. favourite average teams. Yeah, you mentioned. I think you mentioned around three or four weeks ago that Tupu was a great pickup for the great pod pickup for the, the ride home. Probably still is a decent pod. Um, not sure. I think every man his dog has a Latrell. Everyone has um, Tedesco. Yep. Um, there's a few. There's a few that probably own a combination of uh, TKO as well as one as potentially sort of Kiri. Depending on on how well invested you are in those players, 
would you pick up a, a tupu as well still, or is that one too, one too many roosters in, in your attack? Um, look, I, I don't mind having all the roosters in there only because oh, I really like their draw. Their draw is still really good. I think that if you're going to do it, you have to do it this week. It can't be a point where you go, oh, I'll pick up Tupo maybe in a week or two or whatever. If you're going to get him, he's 423k. He's got the Dogs and then the Gold Coast Titans. You're going to do it for these next two games because you're going to play him. Um, he then he hits Canberra after that. You'll bench him for that probably. But then he hits um, the Warriors in Sydney. You're definitely playing him for that. And then he's going to hit the Dragons and I'm probably going to be playing him for that too. So if I were to buy him today... Um, I'm going to play him for four out of the next seven games for sure. So I think that's pretty good as a rotation centre wing at his price. Um, if you've got the trade, yeah, I, I still think that he's a good pot option. Shit, mate, I'm tempted to get him with that fucking draw. <laughs> <laughs> I've already I've got Burns and Nakora as my fourth and fifth centre quarter, but with that draw, mate, I'm, I'm really... <laughs> I'm really tempted. That would mean I don't get to play Burns or Nakora, which is probably a bit stupid for a potential what, extra 10 points, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if he gets a double, he scored 69 points against the Dogs in round 14 without a try. Um, and, I, I, you know, if he gets a double, he's probably looking at at least 80 points. I, look, I think if you go to rubbish to the fourth sentence for a quarter, he's, he's a great pod option to bring in, but I think if you have enough, enough depth, I'd Probably don't think it warrants burning a burning a trade, especially if you if you're short with the potential injuries coming through. Mate, I've only got two trades left now. I gave you a bump to you last week. I said I had six, but I lied. <laughs> <laughs> mate, there's a big difference I between six and two. Jesus, I thought I had six pre, but I had four. But I burnt two of them, and I had two. I went, oh, maybe I told some porky pies on the on the podcast. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you've got two left, I certainly wouldn't be doing it. Anyone that's got sort of six or seven trades plus, Tupo's a decent option to grab in if you're needing a pod option in there, just depending on your centre wing and how you set up. But uh, mate, all those roosters are going to score well. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be worried about owning four or five of them. I would be playing every single rooster I had this week, even TKO. He'd be in my side, and I reckon roosters are specials for 20 plus. TKO the car up this week. I'm not sure he's going to go over the line this week, but um, I'll tell you what, he'll score more than Fafita, so I'll chuck him in. Yeah, or I can't go past Teddy for the C this week. Plays late in the round, perfect. Um, Panthers versus Raiders is our final game. Now, we've got no changes aside from Kikau out. Um, so Liam Martin will probably return from his injury to replace Kikau somehow. Uh, now, there's no changes for the Raiders either. This one is probably the closest game of the round, Billy. When I was having a look at um, odds for the week, this one was dead even and a dollar ninety each on the betting markets, and that probably gives it away. This last game of the round is probably going to be the closest. Yeah, I think you might find some surprises. Um, the last few weeks you've had Yeo, sorry Yeo playing lock, and you've also had um, you've had Winner, Winnerstein playing right edge. So if Martin comes back. They've probably got three different options. It'll be either be sort of Yeo at lock or it'll be Martin at lock, and one of, one of those other two going to left edge. Otherwise, Cleary has the option of just chucking a JFH back to lock and rotating either one of those two guys on the left hand side as well. So any one of those guys could be could be getting sixty minutes or eighty minutes. So there could be a pod uh, a pod in there for a couple of weeks. But I tell you what, I'm not sure you would be more than sort of spending. 
spending money on, on, on a guy like that just, just for a couple of weeks. But from a money ball point of view, there might be some um, value in either lock or the left edge rotation. So let's have a quick look at the big guns for matchups. Nathan Cleary um, has been going really well, well back to form. Had a bit of a downgrade though. Um, Supercoach stats dudded him on an assist he should have got, I reckon. But anyway, 85 points against the Dragons last week, 74 his game before that against South. He was goal kicking as well. The Raiders obviously have a really tight D, um, and a lot of people bench teams this year against the Raiders now that we know their defensive abilities are so high. Would you be playing Nathan Cleary this week? Nate Cleary goes well against anyone. He, even earlier this year when he was doing sweet FA, he was still sort of averaging well over 60. So for a bloke that in form on a run like that, I think there are plenty of worse players that you could drop this week. But I'll tell you what, it would be one... It would have to be one sort of hell, hell of a player that you, that, you, that you drop. So we discussed this earlier. I would play SJ over him, but only if SJ is absolutely fighting fit, mate, purely because of the upside versus the Cowboys. Canberra being the opposition is the only reason I would not play Cleary this, uh, this week. From a um, Panthers perspective, the other big gun here is Brian Tuo, who has just been on fire scoring-wise. He just keeps on putting up scores. And he's a genuine keeper for sure now. There's no way that you'd be trading him or that you would have the last few weeks. Hopefully, um, people held on to him. But he has gone 80, 82, 45, and 78 in his last month of football. That is fantastic scores. He still had pretty reasonable base there. What about him against the Raiders? Obviously, on the wing, it's going to be a bit tougher. But he scored doubles in his last two games now. So he's a special to get over the line at the moment. Brian Tua, oh mate, I love him. I've, we, we talked about him about a month ago. Um, I think I've mentioned him every single week since then. Mate, I, I love the bloke. The, the bloke's got sort of 40 to 50 points in him just without a try. And then the last four weeks, he's just been pumping them out. Without giving you too much of a wishy-washy answer, it really depends on the makeup of your reserves. I'd probably... I'm probably still... No, I would... It'd be 50-50 call playing someone like him versus uh, TKO. I'd 100% play him over like a Fafita type. If Fafita was healthy, it really comes down to the makeup of your last reserve. Like I'd probably play him, play Burns over him this week. But if it came down to a forward who could give me sort of 50 or sort of 80, I'd, I'd go to the TKO option purely because you know you're going to get that sort of 45-50 base off him. And all he's got to do is go over that line just once, and there's your 80. I've got to give a bit of a pod shout-out to Brenton Aiden as well. Um, he's been killing it for the last few weeks. He's um, gone 74, 76, and 110 the last three weeks. So people that picked him up as a bit of a late-run cash cow have been paying, have been going really well uh, playing him. I'd be benching him this week, though. Um, for the Raiders, you know, obviously Bateman's highly owned. You're going to play him. Um, I think this might be a bit of a low-scoring game, though, Billy. I reckon it might be a bit of a sort of, 20 to 18 type of scenario. Yeah, I have to probably agree with that, mate. Yeah, I reckon it's going to be a tight one, um, and I'm pretty worried about playing anyone aside from Cleary in this one, I reckon. Um, everyone else is going to be a bit of a question mark. Oh, uh, yeah, um, exactly the same. I don't own Cleary, sold him, but um, yeah, Bateman for me, I'd um, yeah, I'll go with you. Um, Panthers, Panthers for a win again, just two or four points, but at home this week, I think, mate, I think it's a lot closer. 
And on that note, mate, that's the pod again for one more week. Thanks for jumping on. Only seven more weeks left of play before we crown our Supercoach champion for 2019. Mate, I'm making a run at the trophy. Keep going, big fella. Thanks for tuning in again, everyone. Uh, you can download us uh, or stream on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, thanks for giving us a listen every week and all the support. Muchly appreciated. Good luck with your captaincies and your trades this week. As always, we'll chat to you again next week.